Good morning, good Monday afternoon from the uh, from uh, apparently the surface of the sun. Yeah, it's getting warm this week out here. It's getting so, a little toasty. Ninety eight degrees toasty. out there. Yeah, ninety eight degrees. Your favorite uh, boy band, of course. <laughs> Does anyone even know who? Like, I've, I haven't heard ninety eight degrees reference in a long time. And now I, that I think back, that's like twenty years old. I was today. No years kids old when I found is. out that was actually a band. I had no idea that was actually a band. Yeah, <laughs> in you sync. You've heard of them though, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. hey, who you know? Yeah. Well, absolutely. Okay. Well, when we left you on Friday, Gunnar Miller was here with us in studio, and he was telling us all about the art of wrestling and what goes in yeah. it to make it happen. It was a great time. You should go check out that episode. But he left here. He went to go to his death match, and this is what his back looked like after that match. Take a look there. Yeah. And if you look close, you can see all the thumbtacks in there. And No, I zoomed in there to check that out because it looks like he yeah. has like, uh, maybe some piercings. Those were unintentional. Well, I don't think he intended to be pierced. Yeah. He and he's the one who said it was fake and then clarified it that, you know, well, outcome is pre-done. This is not fake. Man. Sure. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty determined. Like, he's got to stand there and let himself get, yeah. you know, choke yeah. slammed onto a bunch of thumbtacks yeah. or get hit with the fluorescent light in the back what a tapestry of violence i mean that thing just looks wonderful (laughs) and he beat tank too so you should have seen what tank's face looked like you should have seen the other guys they (laughs) should have seen the other guy he beat him repeatedly with his back speaking of of fights we're gonna get into biden versus the boats in a minute here but we gotta tip the band autonomous trucks are coming with a huge potential windfall if you're ready to seize it start re-engineering your supply chain today for autonomy contact tell them dude hey go to locomation.ai for turnkey solutions not turkey solutions turnkey solutions yeah immediately after headlines He went down to the port of Los Angeles on Friday as a precursor that on Thursday. He already yeah. cut a promo on the steamship lines, and he went in person, and this is what he delivered. He said that if he saw the ships in person, he would pop them. Oh, there he goes. He's shown, um, <laughs> Wait, is that a gas pump? Uh, that's the problem. Oh, it's hard, it's, it is hard to fight back the public perception of what's going on with gas and diesel now, though, because every time, every day, we drive by this sign. Yeah, so I don't know. He, he was taken on the boats, but then a run in from oil and gas there. Anyways, John Gallagher, if they were right in front of me, I'd pop them. That's what he said. John Gallagher yeah. reports making the case for legislation to hold carriers more responsible for shipping costs and service standards. President Biden on Friday, he launched... He, put most of the blame yeah. on the decks of the world's largest ocean carriers. Yeah. And he uh, also said, as he said there, he wants to pop in the nose. He said, every once in a while, something you learn makes you viscerally angry. That's what I've called on Congress to crack down on foreign-owned shipping companies that have raised their prices while raking in last year $190 million in profit, a seven-fold increase from one year later, and now I want to see him go up to like Surinsky and pull a quarter out of his ear or something. <laughs> yeah, I just wish somebody would have told him about it earlier. He just found out yesterday. Uh, he repeated assertions in a video released by the White House on Thursday that the nine, nine he's called them nine major ocean shipping companies in Trans-Pacific trade have raised rates as much as a thousand percent, implying that the lack of competition is the root problem, right? Yeah, sure. The FMC also released, though, before, uh, I, I guess it was earlier this month, that they did not find evidence of collusion. I think they actually called it viscerous 
or uh, um, uh, vigorous competition is what the yeah, FMC it was called it, right? The title of a show of ours last yeah, week. Yeah, we exactly. Extensively about it. Actually, that was Wednesday's episode. They're expected yeah. to take on that Ocean Shipping Reform Act, so Biden's trying to turn up the heat. But, you know, rates may be going down anyways for other conditions in the market that we've uh, dealt with. So maybe he comes in, swoops in, looks like a bit of a hero here. Yeah, well, you know, timing is everything sometimes. Timing is everything, and timing right now isn't very good if you're a convoy employee. Digital no. freight startup Convoy lays off 7% of tech workforce. Man, how quick was that? That, you know, all the workers out there, we thought, you know, we were holding the cards, you know, oh, people yeah. thought that they had some leverage finally. All the employees, and all of a sudden, uh, inflation hits, and now companies are cutting heads again. Yeah, it went really, really quick. I mean, they expanded their business significantly during COVID, right? Well, but now yeah. the challenge is, boom, but they... There's 90 employees that are going there. I yeah, mean, they're valued at $3.8 billion. So it's not like they're in a ton of trouble. Right. They're doing what a lot of other companies were hearing. Like you just mentioned, they expanded very quickly. They did. In that war for talent uh, over the past uh, year or so here that had been going on in that market. Yeah. And I mean, they just took on a bunch more uh, revenue. Right? And then they brought, they brought $160 million coming from April. Uh, they sure did. They sure did. But they still let 90 go. They said, uh, with our recent fundraising behind us and the continued intrinsic strength of our business, we look forward to continuing to improve the freight industry for the betterment of truck drivers, shippers, the economy, and our environment. Whatever market conditions we encounter, along the way, we'll be opening up our networks to support department staff in their efforts to secure new roles. So, look, nobody knows how deep this trough's going to go. No, they certainly don't. And uh, it, it's a little bit scary times, and especially for people who, who jumped out and tested those waters and made, made more money, went out there to get those more. You're, you don't have the tenure, right? You don't have the tenure. Mm -hmm. 7%, I mean, 97% sounds pretty big. Not huge, though, when you're in the grand scheme of things, but it could only get worse from here. When you're in startups, too, I mean, sometimes things you do have to sort of shake. You got to shake the box a little bit to let some of the people who aren't working out out the bottom. Not necessarily saying that's what happened here, just my own personal experience being within startups. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things. We know Dan Lewis. We've known him for years. Yeah. And when he says they're going to help, they're going to help. Convoy's a good company. Well, fuel prices are so high, thieves are making their own tankers. Take a look at this thing here. That's no tank you're going to see regularly driving down the street. But, you know, when you're <laughs> seeing fuel tanker? price go over $7 a, a mile. And, you know, it's also the weird thing I've seen is some gas stations have gas higher than diesel. That's a new development this week. Rooster reports on backtotruckup.com. Straight from Las Vegas, you can buy tanker loads of stolen fuel. <laughs> fuel bandits are back to making modified tankers to drain fuel tanks using everything from auctioned state road construction trucks to horse trailers. The entrepreneurial thieves are installing high-speed rotary pumps and a mixing system seen in fuel delivery trucks to pull the bottoms out of these underground storage tanks. It's unbelievable. When you brought this up last week, I was I was thinking to myself, how are they doing this? You can't even uh, start the thing without a credit card. But here it is. They're opening the hatches on the fuel pumps, uh, re-gearing the pumps to not activate the government-mandated counter that tracks the amount of fuel discharge and also alerts for unauthorized uh, operation. And they're pulling the fuel right through the pre-existing networks of pipes. The tankers currently being seized by uh, the police have capacities that range from 55-gallon drums all the way to combination truck and trailer designs with multiple Liquid totes, these holding up to 330 gallons each in a trailer towed by a work truck with even more tanks inside it. Um, yeah, it looked like it was riding a little high on the steering wheels there, didn't it? Where do you that offload picture? this stuff? Who do you, who do you sell it to? Uh, stand on the street corner and start pumping gas to people? <laughs> didn't it say that they're, they're driving it across into California? And, I'm and asking you. From, do you know? I haven't the slightest. I, I've never done it before, but yeah, I guess they're selling it underground, right? I guess so. 
I guess so. Crazy. From the ground, selling it back underground. <laughs> uh, another big uh, transaction that happened is Prolotus acquired Duke Realty in a $26 billion transaction. So even though some struggles in the warehouse space right now with a little bit too much inventory, mismatched inventory, all that going on, Prolotus knows that you have to have somewhere to put all this crap. So uh, they have picked up Duke. Let's go over to our buddy Frank Kenny, though. He looks great over there. Director of Industry Solutions over at Kaleo. Last time we saw him was right here at the Future of Supply Chain. And he looked excellent there as well. Frank, what's up, brother? Hey, man. How you guys doing? You look Good excellent. Good to see you. What's happened to uh, you since uh, you left Arkansas? Um, Boy, I miss Arkansas. Uh, it's been busy. It's been just uh, really, really interesting on the technology side of things. And we can get a little bit into that. Tim, I've got a problem, though. You've yeah. got Tupac. And everybody knows you probably should have Biggie. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So do I mean we can go down that road and um, but, well, do but you have one for us? I mean, I mean, I like, will, I will, I will send you. I will send you both. Uh, big, you know, all these shortages. And, uh, they ran out of the resin to make a character, uh, the stature <laughs> and the body shape of Biggie. <laughs> I tell you, I'm going to leave that one right there. You know, guys, what 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 we're seeing is this bifurcation of uh, how technology, how uh, uh, logistics companies are buying technology. Wait, and wait, hold on. What does that have to do with Tupac? That was a, that was a really, that was a transition. Where, how does that go yeah, from Tupac to that? Uh, wait, what Biggie you- wasn't a big freight tech guy, was he? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Frank, so- let's, Frankie, what is going on? So when you DM me a little while ago, when we <laughs> talked on there, you said, you know, one thing I want to talk to you guys about is the changing landscape of freight tech. Yeah. Before we talk about what's happening now, what was happening in freight tech over the past two years? We've seen explosive growth. We've reported on all the deals. Uh, how, what happened and how is that changing? It, you know, hotcakes. So everyone wanted to uh, onboard new partners. They want to get new partners onboarded so that they can do digital uh, uh, digital freight, uh, digital tendering, digital digital loads, digital status. And, and we've seen it uh, everywhere. So the big message was, Hey, listen, can you guys help me connect, whether that be via APIs, EDIs, all, 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 all the rest of that? And, uh, you know, it was it, it was hotcakes. It was hotcakes. And uh, that's changed. That's changed, uh, especially given some of the information that the news that you just read about Convoy. And, you know, we're seeing it all around the industry. But but it's it's really, again, a bifurcation. It's there are some companies that have. Uh, uh, long made their money and been doing really well in the uh, dedicated contract world. And it's business as usual. It's tons of upgrades. It's tons of those things. And then the guys that have just been dependent on these uh, uh, these spot marketplaces and, and, and everything else like that, they're the guys that are struggling. And I think, uh, you know, when you jump into Sonar, you can look at the volumes. You can look at the reject uh, rates. You can look at the contract rates and um, you can see where the business is. And it's really coming out in how people buy technology. Uh, and, it, and it really is split. It, it, it's two different motions, two different conversations, uh, lots of C-level scrutiny. Uh, it isn't like it was for the last couple of years where you can get a project done pretty quickly and uh, uh, pretty effortlessly with a big buy-in from the uh, top. Now things are being much more scrutinized. But the, uh, the, the habits are, 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 are kind of the same. It's, the issues are kind of the same. It's just what folks are willing to do. So we're definitely seeing it and we're adjusting uh, to it. But that's what uh, uh, folks in, 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 in your audience and um, our mutual uh, friends 
are are actually uh, seen. There's just um, there's just two ways of 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 buying and two ways of looking at technology to help get them out of this. So Frank, so Frank, so Frank, would you say that this is more of a cost-driven change or is it that the consumers in this case the the companies uh, are becoming smarter about what they're looking for because of all the uh, the spotlight that's been on all the tech and the data. You know, the last 2 years we've just been looking at uh, carriers being in control. So uh, a lot of it is uh, the shippers now have um, is solid control, and they're being much smarter about where they are going to spend their um, uh, their trans uh, their transit costs and the transportation costs. And, you know, at the, uh, the future of supply chain, one of the biggest things that one of the biggest messages that I heard over and over was carrier compliance mm-hmm. and uh, what what it takes to get and maintain those relationships and. Those things just absolutely make a difference. You know, we weren't thinking about service levels and now we're thinking about service levels. Yeah. So big stories, compliance. If you want those contracts, you're going to have to be able to do business the way that the shippers want to do business. And so they're leaning on that. And by them leaning on that, we have another run up to people buying technology but in different ways for uh, different reasons to, 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 to get the gigs. And Frank, you think, uh, Frank, speaking of gigs, you think that a lot of employees at freight tech companies right now should be a little bit concerned mm. coming off that convoy news where, you know, if you're in that bottom seven to 10% at a company, you, you might have a target on your back at the moment. Yeah. I, I, I think that it, again, I think that it really depends. I think the market is going through an overcorrection. And so we're seeing warehouse guys that you couldn't find starting to get laid off. We're seeing um, internal personnel starting to get laid off. And remember, if I've got a a human run kind of brokerage and I'm moving over to more contract dedicated, I'm, you know, doing EDI and I'm doing things automated. You know, those those jobs are going to start to move to doing things in an automated fashion. So it's going to be tough. But. If you understand the process, if you understand how these things need to be done, if you understand uh, how to best meet the needs of the shippers, then then you guys got it. Then then, well, then you're going to have a job. Well, let's talk about that a little bit, uh, Frank. So in in this type of market, which we can certainly label, I think as as bear, I think we all I agree would, here that it's, it's getting very bear bearish market. out there. Uh, what what kind of tech do you need to be looking for? What's the most valuable tech in this to 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 employ in your business? Uh, the the big one is um, am I responding to all the loads that the the loads that I get and and that could be I'm responding where I can take the load or I'm responding where I can't take the load but am I responding because shippers are looking for carriers that are going to be responsive that are going to leave them with the best options and most importantly that are going to accept the loads and so when you don't do that it isn't kind of a chargeback model that you see on the buying and the retail side of the house, it's more so, yeah, we're just not going to call these guys. They're just not going to pass compliance because they said no too many times and, or loads are missing or the requests are missing. So it's really about how fast you can um, respond. Either we can take it or we can't, but how fast you respond and then how quickly you solve things that go missing. You know, Mm -hmm. we're now starting to see um, uh, shippers, becoming incredibly tight if they don't get an answer in 20, 30 minutes. 
Yeah, mm. I mean, one of the trend lines that was going on in hiring over the past year or two was um, a focus on customer service over sales because freight was selling itself. And in yeah. turn, a lot of focus on freight tech was like that. How do we get better ROI? How do we manage things better? But are we back in a position here when you get bearish where the logic switches to how do we make money and make money now with this? Does it close the window on sort of longer term projects for some companies or at least increase that sales cycle to a much longer period of time? I think what happens is that we learn from where we've been. And so now it's how can I make more money by giving a better experience? So it's the combination of things. And then how and then how do I give better experiences? Well, everyone has a set of expectations that they expect. And how do we accurately reflect those expectations and how do we meet them? And doing so is going to get people to spend more money, is going to grow. I mean, at the same time that we're looking at these layoffs happen to all of these companies, we're looking at record profits from, you know, the folks at uh, uh, everyone, uh, all these public companies like Schneider and, and Covenant and all of these other companies are making money and they're doing better than they've ever done. So that's what I mean. You've got this, these two sides of the same industry that are behaving much, much differently. And I think the one thing that pulls together companies like uh, like an ArcBest and, and companies like Schneider, et cetera, I think the one thing that holds them together is really focusing on the customer satisfaction. Uh, that just makes a big difference right now. And so that's where people are kind of leaning into. And when they start to update their technology that, that powers their supply chain, everything is going, how can we be transparent? How can we make it easier? How can we be easier to do business with? Yeah, it's a great point. That's a great, great point, Frank. It reminds me, you know, we 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 reap what we sow, which you can uh, you can translate into and apply to all kinds of different things in your life. Uh, but in this situation, those that took advantage and really made record profits and just you couldn't fall down without making money over the last couple of years, and didn't kind of put those eggs into that customer satisfaction and building those relationships. Now they're getting caught in this situation where people are going to go to those that can best supply the, the, uh, uh, their markets, right? How do you reverse that trend if you're one of those that said, man, we screwed up. We've got to reverse this trend. Yeah, what's uh, uh, immediately what you want to start to do is, uh, am, I, am I providing my customer what they want? And what do they want? They want to know where things are. They want to be very much aware of, of, of when things get there, uh, when I'm going, when I'm coming in the gate, when I'm leaving the gate, all of that visibility. But most importantly, they want to know if they have capacity um, as soon as they possibly can. If not, then they want to fall over. In the past, everybody made a lot of money. And the first thing that they did, and they were telling me, you know, instead of buying technology, we want to buy assets. The real smart companies said that we're going to figure out a way to do both, but we need technology because we're going to use this to make ourselves more efficient. One of the things that's interesting about this, this, this game, this world that we all live in, is that it is pendulum. It is one way, you know, it's all about the shipper. The other way, it's all about the carrier. And the smart companies and the smart leaders of those companies know that the pendulum always swings. And so the ones that have prepared for it are the ones that we're going to see making money hand over fist, which means mergers, acquisitions. Someone's going to take advantage of of, of this stuff, and, and these are the companies that are going to be the next winners. Yeah, probably Prologis. What's uh, what is your most prized possession on that desk behind you? That studio. I've been looking at it for like ten minutes, and I got to know. Oh, my prized possession. 
So <laughs> wow. <laughs> not even like a curse wall or that was not a set Gibson up. Or <laughs> this, Pro this, Tools. this is the prize possession. It's this, a, you see how crisp this is. Hat. Look at look at look at how crisp this it's is. Nice. This is my prize. This, this is my prize possession. You look Actually, fresh to death. I like the fit. I'd like to. I'd like to see you wear it. My most prized possession. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I'd like to see you wear it with that Dobro across your lap and play some tunes, man. Oh, see, see, that's, that's next time. I promise we're going to pull something out and we're going to do something. Most <laughs> prized possession, it's my Neumann. Boy, I even sound, I sound like Mariah Carey through that thing. Boy. <laughs> All right, well, you're going to have to let us hear it <laughs> next time. Now, send him to the Wheel of Stupid Questions before oh, we, hey, we send him that. home. All right. Oh, wow. Okay. What do we got? This, is a, this is a good one, man. You gained control over J.K. Rowling's Twitter for an hour. What random information do you add to Harry Potter lore? What random information do I add to Harry Potter lore? Um, Harry always preferred Biggie Smalls to Tupac because he <laughs> thought he was just a better rapper with a better catalog of uh, material. And that changes the dynamics of the whole series, guys. You it really does. I, I need really Harry does. to drop his own version to hit him up directed at Snape now. That's what I need to hear. <laughs> Fred, th- th- thank you so much for coming on the show. People want to connect with you or Cleo. Where do I send them to? Uh, you send them to Cleo.com, C-L-E-O uh, com, And uh, you could send me an email right from the website. Beautiful. Fred, Beautiful. Love it. Have a good day, man. Take it easy. Take care, guys. Thank you. Hey, let's connect with uh, Melanie Flores. She's the director of Solutions Consulting over at SimTrain. Melanie, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Well, I had to invite you on when you DM me and you told me that you had this entrepreneurial son named Sebastian, because that is one of my son's names as well. But you uh, you had kind of a cool story behind that, that whole thing. Um, before we get to that, just introduce yourself a little bit. Where are we talking to you from? So I'm um, here in Alpharetta, Georgia. It's a northern suburb of Atlanta. And I've been with SimTrain for about a year, actually, um, just a little over a year, and I've been having a blast. I love it. I love it. Well, before we get into SimTrain, because we cover them a little next week, just tell me a little bit about that story you told me. What is OctoGifts, and how did your son Sebastian start this company? Oh, geez. Well, when he was in fifth grade, he wanted to surprise a friend who loved candy. Um, the kid was always stealing candy when he came to our house because he wasn't allowed to have candy at his house, So, but we had this candy jar. So for... For his birthday, Sebastian wanted to give him something unique. So he said, I'm going to make him his own candy dispenser. Mm. Um, So he went on YouTube to see if he could find a video on how to make one. um, And he didn't find anything to his liking. So he ended up just making one himself out of stuff from our recycling bin. So he gave this candy dispenser to his friend and his friend absolutely loved it. And in fact, still has it. I mean, the boys are both 16 now, um, but I know that, um, that, you know, the other kids' family moved, and then we moved, and he still hung on to the to the dispenser. So anyway, uh, fast forward like two years when Sebastian's 13, and he wanted to find a way to earn money. And he actually thought, I wonder if anyone would buy a, a candy dispenser that I design. I'm like, eh, just try it. So he ended up uh, making a bunch of candy dispensers out of paper for Valentine's Day. I actually have to ha- happen to have one of them. And he said, can you help me sell these online and put the word out on social media? And I thought, sure. And he ended up selling out twice. And um, he couldn't, he basically, he spent the rest of his time after school just making these machines in the basement. And after a while, he just said, can you help me grow this? I want to see what, hap- what happens if we um, 
try to actually open an online store. So over the course of the next two years, I basically, um, he asked me to help him come on board. He created a website. I helped him actually commercialize it. And then he came up with the idea of why don't I make these kits so that basically that, uh, <laughs> he ended up making it a kit so that people could actually build his design at home. And I guess the rest is history. So he's, he's has sold um, across like 25 states and wow. he's, he's gotten a lot of <laughs> Yeah, he's got a lot of media coverage, but I will say once he hit high school, he started developing other interests. He wanted to start becoming like, I want to become a better swimmer. And then, of course, he was starting to get more social interest in the social thing. So he felt ready once he hit high school um, to kind of move on. Before that, he fired me so that he could just see what it felt like to just be solely in control of the business. <laughs> wow, well, that didn't work <laughs> out. Well, one of the reasons he started, yeah. right, yeah, was to, yeah. to, to get, get some drums, right? He wanted to make some money for some drums. That's why he started this whole business. Did he ever get the drums? He asked, He actually did. He's got a drum set sitting in the basement. That, yeah, there you go. So he earned the money he wanted to. So that's what drove him to even try this idea. And then we, neither one of us ever dreamed it would end up going in the direction it, it went in. In fact, um, uh, he ended up, he's actually an exhibit just opened up at the science museum, Oklahoma, and he's featured in it for the work that he did developing this from scratch that so we, I never would have dreamed that would have happened. I mean, when he asked me, when he asked me, uh, can you help me sell these? I'm like, ah, sure. What, what was the hardest part what, what, of running a small business with your son out of, out of your house? What was the hardest part of all that? Oh gosh, I'll tell you the hardest part was actually, um, it's why he fired me actually. He just said, um, we had a blast together, but at at the end of the day, he said, you know what, mom, sometimes I just want you to be my mom. Um, and, um, that was really, that, that actually was the, was the, the trigger that had him fire me. He goes, I kind of, you know, just want to be my mom because sometimes we'd be in the car and it's, and then the conversation would drift over to that. And I could tell he was like, oh, I don't really want to talk about this. Can you just can we just talk about, you know, this, this and this. So that was the hardest part. So any I, I say anyone who's like trying to start a business with their kid, um, that is a tightrope to walk. Yeah. yeah. So what is the biggest thing that you learned personally through that whole process as a mom and as a business person? Oh, gosh, I learned that. um, I learned to to uh, never underestimate the power of a of a crazy little idea, and never mm. underestimate the power of just a simple conversation, and uh, and just even a conversation on LinkedIn that you have, or or just with that you know that guy next to you at the startup incubator. You never know where these things will lead because these things that you think are just like thirty you know, I don't know, maybe even three minute conversations ended up opening doors. I never could have imagined and that Sebastian could never have imagined. And that little idea that he had to just give his friend a gumball machine, you know, don't poo poo it. uh, Just go with it, go with it. And don't, don't worry about it. If he's like, he basically made huge messes all the time. um, We found little pieces of paper all over the house for weeks (laughs) and uh, (laughs) you should see his, his workshop. Like there was like stuff everywhere, but I guess that's the other thing. I learned to just embrace the mess because you don't yeah. know what kind of beauty is going to emerge from the mess. And I think yeah. that's true, not just with him, but even in, even I apply that now with SimTrain. Like I am, I embrace um, 
sometimes the, the chaotic ideas because things bubble up out of the chaos right. that end up being uh, being just amazing. Yeah, chaos breeds innovation. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna um, I was gonna say good thing that he fired you because she was able to go over at at yeah. Sim Train. I mean, there's no better way to role play than actually doing a role. You get a very immersive experience. So I guess my my one Sim Train tip, my one role playing tip, we'd like to hear out of you is how do you immerse yourself in the simulation? How do you how do you make it real to yourself so you actually like you take it seriously? Do you actually? I actually pulled it up. On, well, you can run some. There are audio sims on your phone, and I can actually show you how it works if you want, because then you'll see myself, you'll see me immersing myself in it. Oh, wow. How long does it take? Is it, is it like a quick thing? Uh, no, I'll just, I'll just play like a 10 second part of okay, it. Okay, okay. Like, sure. So, so th this is how it works. Basically, the way that SimTrain works is it, it, it immerses you in the role of like, it, it makes you feel like you're actually talking with a live customer and you have to deal with whatever it is that the customer wants. You have to make sure you're delivering what they're looking for. In fact, like I, as I was listening to Frank Kenny right before me, I thought, oh my God, I can't think of, I cannot believe that this guy ta is talking about what he's talking about because it basically sets up what I'm about to show you. It's about customer service. Um, but so here's... We have it set up the way that these sims work. I don't think it'll show up, but it no. basically looks like a text conversation. And on the right side of your phone is what you say. And then the left side is is, is the um, computer. Basically, it's your, your role play partner. So here we go. I'm just going to play like 10 seconds. Sure. Um, so I've got a simulation pulled up and I'm learning how to pitch a load. Good morning. My name is Melanie from SimTrain. How are you doing today? Can you hear, did you hear that? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, I'm doing all right, yes. Okay, I'm doing all right, okay. That's great, I'm calling about your posted 53 foot dry van available today in Chicago. Um, is it still available? Yes, it's still available. Uh, great, I've got a one pick, one stop picking up on May 25th from eight to 5 p.m. It's first come, first serve in Chicago and it's delivering May 27th at 6 a.m. in Dallas. It's 45,000 pounds of food goods. Would that work for you? How much is it paying? So anyway, that's how it works. And um, <laughs> wow. okay. you yeah. just practice that. And then eventually you can even take away the script so that you don't even see the script. So basically we can make this thing feel really real, but it's just practicing all the conversations that you have. So see that, it just, you know, it's, it's, this person, the, the computer is basically simulating a real life customer and we give oh, yeah. you the chance to yeah, yeah, practice yeah. that without talking to a real customer. Well, here's the thing. Most of them don't remember, like they don't remember you one day to the next anyway. Yeah. So you, you like, it's like, they've never met you. These people, yeah. have, a lot of these people have no memories Absolutely. whatsoever. So you, you may as well be talking to a simulation. Well, got You'll be like, Miami, I just talked to you. I <laughs> yeah. just talked to you. Yes. Like we talk every single day, but they just, ne somehow they do not remember. Yeah. Hey, how are your kids? You know, my kids, what are you talking about? Who are you? Who are, you? Who are, you? <laughs> are there any, are there any? hidden trap doors in there like you know you can get siri to sing the the entire bohemian rhapsody can i ask this thing like a secret question it'll do something silly or no <laughs> well right now no right now you, but we can All actually right. <laughs> we, we can we actually have simulations that are set up like with really like nasty you know just very um mean angry people on the other end and, we, and, and we have you know we have simul you know customers have written simulations about you know the truckers called in and um the load's not ready and he's very irate so we have you know people are using our our product to role play all kinds of things and get people to practice all those hairy conversations um many times before they actually get the real deal
You ever need a voice actor for the angry person on the other end of the line? I am your man. Can you send her to the wheel before we let oh, her go? Yeah. She... Oh, we already rolled it. Oh, yeah. Oh, send her the question of the day. For there you week. go. Question of the wheel of stupid question of the day. Okay, Melanie. You gain control over J.K. Rowling's Twitter for an hour. What random information do you add to Harry Potter lore? Oh, my gosh. Can I spin the wheel again and ask for a different one? I have, <laughs> I have to admit, like, I actually am, I probably wouldn't answer that very well. My kids were totally into Harry Potter, but uh, and I was like tangentially interested. So I'm probably one of the only people on the planet who 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 might not answer that question in an interesting way. I think that's a great answer. Yeah, that's like, I don't know enough. To, I will not mess up with your lure. I'm sure Harry Potter fans are more than happy that she wouldn't screw up the lore for of them. Of course, they probably very much Yeah, are. keep your ignorant thoughts out of our book. What if we took, what if we took, what, what is this car called? It's called the uh, the Flying Ford uh, Anglia. What if we turned that into a Tesla Semi? That would be pretty good, wouldn't it? The Flying Ford Anglia, yeah, maybe. We'll find out if that's worth a while. Well, go check out Sim Train. And Sebastian, is he still doing Octogus? Is he on to his next entrepreneurship? What's what, what's What's going on there? Oh yeah. So what he's been, he does have other ideas brewing. Um, what's been taking up a lot of his time and energy now that he's, he's kind of um, hung up the Octo gifts uh, hat is he's basically working really hard on his, on his swimming. And he's also taking a lot of uh, very interesting advanced courses at high school and also mm. um, experimenting in the kitchen. I'll just leave it at that. Hey, he's right. so fascinated with baking and he's been baking some amazing things. So I'm looking in, I'm looking forward to seeing what, you know, what he ends up latching onto next to to try something like crazy. Well, thank you so awesome. much for coming on today and sharing that story. And uh, it's good to hear what you learned as well. Take it easy. Have a good afternoon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Melly. All right. With fully Thanks. furnished state-of-the-art repair trucks and a full array of roadside tools, you can expect the safest, fastest, and most painless response for your fleet from Love's Truck Care and Speedco. To learn more about their roadside assistance, tell them, dude. Hey, go to loves.com immediately after this show. Let's go to Jake Herrera. He's the CEO at EV Semi Fleet Corp, and I think he has a special guest with him as well. So let's bring them both up, and we'll introduce. Uh, we'll get introduced to the gentleman next to him. Hello, guys. Hey, hey, how's it going? Who's uh Who's here with you, Jake? This is our COO, Thomas Licata. Uh, he was brought on on. He was brought on early on as a co-founder. He has an extensive background in freight brokering and logistics, and uh, he's really added a lot of value to the company. I like it. What the hell is sitting between you two guys? Is that like an NBA trophy? Uh, no, a globe maybe on a tall stick? I'm trying to figure that out. Yeah, so so we got the globe because we're trying to, you know, figure out exactly where the EV logistical framework's gonna go. And then we got the <laughs> then we got the Tesla semi truck right here. Wow, all right. So you've invested a lot in this so far. <laughs> yeah, we already we, we already we already it's have very one landed. Well, tell us a little bit. What is what is EV uh, Semicorp? Because I think what you guys are doing is really interesting. But I had a lot of questions. So that's one of the reasons we brought you on. You're in that nascent startup stages. You're raising funding. Set the table for us. Tell us what it's all about. Yeah. So we had the vision two years ago. We got out of a Tesla and we said we have to do something in this industry. Uh, we came across the Tesla semi truck, and the cost savings of this machine is going to be dynamic. I mean, you're talking no longer have to be dependent on fluctuating fuel prices and the power that's going to be in these trucks is going to be amazing. So, you know, we, we, we've been raising capital from investors all over the nation and we've been able to reserve 50 Tesla semi trucks 
And here shortly, we're about to put our second order in. So we just really want to get a massive order of Tesla semi-trucks and get them on the road. And Thomas right here is going to be the guy who gets them on the road and keeps them on the road. Yep. I, I love it. So the, the so how many investors do you have uh, so far? How how's that been going, Getting gaining investors into this? Yeah, so we did a, a Reg CF. We're currently on a Reg CF platform on WeFunder. And investors all over the nation can invest a minimum of $250 plus. So we have over 300 investors so far, uh, you know, ranging from all numbers from 250 to 10,000 to 100,000. And what's interesting is we have a lot of truckers, CDL drivers who are investing because they understand the, the troubles that they're going through today. You know, the, these high, these, these high, mm -hmm. these high fuel prices, crazy repair costs, and uh, really, the total cost of ownership of these trucks are going to be substantially less than a, than a diesel. Why? Uh, I got to ask you, why Tesla semis? Uh, the Tesla semi announced, what, 2019 or was it 2017? I don't know. It was a while ago now. They still haven't dropped. They seem to get pushed off to next year and then next year, next year as they work through battery technology. So why that when there are, granted, small routing, but there are some options already on the road? So, yeah, we looked at, I mean, ideally that we want Tesla just because you know, Tesla cars right now are proven. They're they're building an infrastructure for the the charging stations for the car side. So, uh, as well as the price for these Tesla semi trucks, you know, they're they're two hundred thousand dollars compared to the competitors Volvo, uh, Nikola, and whatnot. They're they're around four hundred thousand dollars just for that. And their range isn't as good. Their range is only about you know one fifty to maybe two fifty, depending on what model you get. So long term, we're looking is because Tesla is going to be about 500 miles for the ones that we're getting compared to spending double the amount and getting half the miles. So we're we're long term invested into this. We don't want to jump into something just to get, you know, our feet running with something and have to go back and get Tesla. So we really do believe that Tesla is the future for for the semi trucks. But as well as that, we're not keeping our eyes closed. We're, we're, we're still looking at Volvos and other competitors out there just to see you know, what kind of technology they have and what can they bring to the table. So um, we're, we're heavily invested in Tesla, but we'll, we'll see long-term how it goes. Okay. So you're not, it's not uh, a monogamous relationship there, just straight up, but yeah. you guys got, um, uh, so what, you know, looking into the future, do you guys have any insight as to when you uh, predict these things will be delivered? Yeah. I mean, we estimate about 24 months, um, you know, to actually getting the first Tesla semi-trucks landed. Um, so it, it, it's not, it's not an exact date, just like all other EV semi trucks right sure. now. Um, so, you know, we're just, uh, we're just, we, we really believe it's extremely important to get your reservation in early, you know? And, and so that's what we're doing. Uh, just so when they start coming available and everyone sees them on the road, you know, we're already going to be ahead of majority of this, of, of this big rush. And so, yeah. Well, you, you mentioned I was reading uh, your site, and one of the things it said was it was going to make an EV truck only load board. Talk about that piece of the business a little bit and why that's important. So, my background in logistics, you know, majority of the companies they use DAT, and so it's so you get all your information and data. But it's all focused on diesel prices, and you know, everything's about diesel. So. There's not an EV load board yet. There's no EV structure for charging stations. You know how you have a Tesla semi car. If you're you're putting in your map from, you know, Orlando to Atlanta, it's going to tell you where the charging stations are in between. Our uh, EV load board is going to be something similar to that for the truck for the trucker. It's going to be able to say, hey, here's a charger here, or here's a charger there. Take this route; it's fastest. Whatever it may be. So, 
Um, they're so focused on the diesel side, and I, I believe that the EV load board is going to be hands down one of the best load boards there is for an EV semi truck. So the question is uh, that, that I have is this: you're, you're you're putting down this down payments for it and reserving these Teslas uh, to come in. You're also looking at other technology. Granted, you said that, but mostly in Teslas, and you've got this load board. Are you guys building a, a, an electrified uh, an electrified trucking fleet or a load board or both? What's what's the goal here? So we're going to be an asset based carrier running direct with a lot of big manufacturers and companies. Uh, we have talks with some large corporations out there right now that kind of want to partner up with us. Mm-hmm. Um, but as well, we're going to have an EV load board. That way, our, as our brokerage division can kind of bro- or, uh, post up loads that we that aren't on the asset side, they can post up loads and it's going to be sp- uh, focused on EV as well as, you know, some of these bigger brokers that the customers only want to ship EV, they can post up those load board or those loads on our load board and then EV trucks can call in and, you know, do the, the agreement between you know each other but um yeah we're gonna be asset-based company as well as the ev load board so in terms of the load board how do you how do you build density on there how do you get how do you get um loads on there and what's stopping someone like dat or convoy from just putting in a section there for for ev load boards into their uh into their own load board yeah so there's nothing really stopping any trucking company from ordering electric trucks there's nothing stopping from these big load boards on creating you know, a little elect- a little lightning bolt and saying this is an electrified load. But I, I think it's special what we're doing. You know, we're we're creating a opportunity for owner operators nationwide to transfer from to, to switch from their diesel truck to an electric truck and be able to move freight day one um, within our EV logistical framework. And we're going to expand as a charging infrastructure expands. And we're talking to these these large distribution centers and we're saying, hey, you know, if you guys electrify your 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 routes and your distribution centers in the near future, you're giving opportunity to to have a lot of EV assets available to your to your operation. And and a lot of these big distribution centers, they want to go green. You know, that's that's really a big mission for a lot of these companies is to go green. And we're really trying to provide that platform for them um, as far as the charging infrastructure. We believe that the distribution centers will feel that it's it's beneficial for them to install them on their properties and along their along their routes. And then Tesla, I mean, they do two things: they make a quality build and they put a lot of charges out. So we, we believe they're going to put charges all along I ten, you know, east to west coast, and really connect that uh, that 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 big highway, you know, from uh, coast to coast. And so as that go as that expands, we're going to give brokers nationwide the avail the, the ability to post loads with you know along those networks, and as well as give the distribution centers a way to go green. So so Jake, I'm curious what what do you see is the greatest threat to your success here? What is the biggest hurdle? We we need to get trucks landed eventually. You know that's uh. That, that's one of the things. We, we have a really low burn rate right now, um, but we really need to get trucks landed. And I think one of our biggest hurdles is uh, is is relaying how profitable this business is really going to be to investors that don't understand the trucking industry, who are not doing research every day, who do not see hundreds of loads within a 200-mile radius. You know, so re- really just uh, 
just getting these big time investors on board to understand the trucking, the trucking industry. Gotcha. Education wow. is hard. Evangelizing yeah. mission. Yeah. Difficult. So what's next for you guys? What's the next challenge that you have to overcome in this journey to making this company uh, stand on its own and, and drive on its own? Yeah. So, uh, we're, we're, uh, we're meeting with, a with a, a city entity, uh, this, this next week. And we're really trying to push them to, uh, you know, get some quality charging infrastructure in place so that we can move freight for them and, you know, keep doing that with distribution centers, keep building this load board out. It's, it's almost complete. Uh, so, uh, you know, really just keep developing the business from ground up. Jake, how and, big is uh, that? Let me just add, because you made me curious now, how big does that sort of city planning infrastructure component play into yeah. this category? Because I remember we saw a Nicola down here over at Covenant about a month ago, and we heard that they had to use an external diesel generator to power this truck because in Atlanta, where they were bringing this truck, they wouldn't let them connect to the grid, so they yeah. couldn't connect there. Um, you guys are seem to be trying to get ahead of that by talking to these leaders. How big of a part of all of this is that? I think it's huge. Uh, yeah. We're over here in Orlando, Florida, and uh, the, uh, the 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 government of the government uh, officials here in Florida are extremely pro EV. You know, they're they're building out the, the a very ex large network for the uh, cars right now, um, and really they're they're on board to to help us push to the next level and you know electrify the ports. That, that, that's really a big one. You know, we're, we're talking to them saying, hey, it's very important to electrify Port of Miami, you know, Port of, uh, Port of Tampa, Jacksonville. And then so that we can focus in on this on, on the central Florida area and really connect all those ports so that we can move freight northwest, east, you know, north, south, east and west all around Florida and then keep pushing, you know, further up as as we expand. Well, well, I like what I'm hearing from you guys. I think it's yeah. really cool, and we'll let you throw your website out there in just a second. But our stupid question of the day is, throw it away, Michael Vincent. Hey, all right, Jake, ready? You gain control over J.K. Rowling's Twitter for an hour. What random information do you add to Harry Potter lore? Oh, man. Uh, I personally don't follow Harry Potter all that much, but if I had access to that, to, to, to that account, I'd probably... Uh, just do a big a big tweet telling uh you know all these owner operators to go out and reserve a Tesla semi truck. Wow, you know, yeah. get that twenty thousand. <laughs> yeah. get, get in line. Get get in you line. Totally. At the lore, he's just gonna he's just put gonna a sponsor tweet he's out there. Hack it yeah. and advertise. Like, I'll I like put it. a sponsor tweet. I like it. And I won't drop an ad yeah. hashtag afterwards. <laughs> it's her account. Hey, hey, and, like, and again, we're not affiliated with Tesla at all. But but. I, or J.K. Rollins. <laughs> we're like, hey guys, we're gonna be. What is it? Does your buddy have a better choice than you, or is he gonna do something fun? He looks like a big Harry Potter you? fan. I'm not a Harry Potter guy whatsoever. <laughs> I don't even watch it. I got a beard, but that's not it. All right, well, we'll just make him a character in that for now, guys. Where do people go to learn more about your company? EVSemifleetCorp.com. There you go. I like it. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks for coming on. Look out sure. for you, and best of luck with the new company. Thanks, guys. What's what's your answer to that? So I would uh, I would I think like a great feud between Star Wars fans and Harry Potter fans would be great. So maybe I'd put like 
Luke Skywalker in Harry Potter lore, and that would just piss off both sides, and they would just fight endlessly. So you're going to just add him into their lineage somehow? That, that's what they're talking about. Yeah, lore, right. Yeah, no, I get so it. Like, and would, then Luke Skywalker would, met Harry Potter. I would that he was actually um, yeah. that he was actually uh, adopted, and he's 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 not even a muggle. He's a nothing. He's he's not even he's not Basically. even mixed. I mean, all those stories are the same. Yeah. All right. Big deal. Little. Oh wait. Let's big deal. Little deal. Big deal. Little deal. His earpieces harassing my earlobes today, by the way. Big deal, little deal. You're pulling into a parking spot when this happens. Let's take a look here. Oh, man. Yeah. Like nice, uh, there are plenty of, plenty of places to park in this parking lot, so uh, I don't it is. really know okay, what the problem is. Okay, this guy pulls past you. Okay. He's coming in. And then he backs in. I never back into spots. I feel like it's a waste of time. Uh, ooh. Yeah, see? Mm, see? And this guy, okay. he, and then he backs up, hits him, and... Yeah, they always tell me that it's safer to back in, but but what yeah, about if you have an idiot like that next to you who he did not see you when he looked over to pull out? He never saw you. It's he safer you to by. back in? Some people say that. How could it be safer? You, you see, I think in a court of law, <laughs> the dude who, who pulled out and hit him is obviously in trouble. He knows that he takes off, but in a court of public opinion, I think the guy who backed in is the idiot. Don't people realize, like, <laughs> you, especially in a lot like this, you're pr- there's a very, very good chance you're on camera. Oh, yeah, and if not, like, definitely on camera. Not just a camera at the yeah. business, like people walking around his camera, then you end up on a show like What the Truck. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. You know where else you're on camera? What? Just driving down the street. You're oh, yeah? A lot of the time. So here's a, here you go, man. You're, just, you're, you're resurfacing a road, my friend, and uh-huh. then look what happens here. You're just trying to keep people away from getting run over by this, you know, uh, what do they, they call this? put a sign up sooner, A steamroller. You got some cones okay. out. But look at this. If everyone is driving up to him and having to turn around, why don't they put a sign up a little bit sooner? Yeah, well, that's one of those things that makes me upset. They do that. Wait, so this guy, so the sedan just drove right around him. Yeah, just like, forget, what are you going to do? Oh, he's like, what the hell? What you doing? Meanwhile, there's a tractor trailer driving right through there. Domino's Domino's Pizza, 18 wheeler. Well, they all can. It's the other side of the street that's being resurfaced. Oh, okay. That's why he's keeping him off. I mean, you can clearly see that in the video. Maybe you can't clearly see it. I I can't clearly see see that. How you, can you not clearly see it? There's a ton of traffic going I see only going one direction. I see people driving across that thing. Right. Yeah. Have you done anything like that? What's that? Have you ever stepped on any concrete or written your name in any concrete? I've written my name on it on purpose. Yeah, absolutely. I've <laughs> stepped in stuff like that. Not on accident. <laughs> Haven't you? Is that a big deal? I think, you know, that guy's just an idiot. I don't, was that a big deal? I think it was a very little deal. Yeah. I mean, the thing was already there. The steamroll was already there. He didn't even leave any marks in it. it that's true. And he just wrote it right back. But what about the arrogance? Well, the, the arrogance, driver. Okay, well, yeah, I get it. Yeah, sure. Things like that don't make you irate. Some people it does. Like, that's how a lot of road rage starts. People will just be, like, offended for that person's act, and then they'll want to attack them. I'd be, look at this ding-dong. If look I was the guy yeah. trying to keep him off there, I'd be pissed. All right, let's take a look at this. You're helping your buddy backthetruckup.com when this happens. Look at him. Oh. Everything looks clear here. Nice yeah. little side street. He's got his buddy maybe on the wrong side of the... This is not a buddy thing. He's at an thing. angle. yeah. Yeah. He's not paying attention to where this truck's going. Oh, and he's got that. Who's in the wrong here? Is, is that an Aztec? I is don't know what that is. Is that a Pontiac Aztec that he hit? This, I don't know. Um, I, last time I saw a Pontiac Aztec was in Breaking Bad. Didn't Walter White have one of those? I think you're right. <laughs> they didn't sell very well, right? That was like a, just like a joke in the show was he had an Aztec. Uh, it's all right. So um, I, it's, uh, it's a big deal to the dude there. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a little deal. But my question to you is who do you think's in the wrong there? Oh, the guy who the, the guy driver driving or the buddy waving him. The, the driver, obviously, yeah. like his buddies on this side, he's got to. The driver has to pay attention to both. I mean, the spotter, I guess. I mean, if you're a spotter, your job is kind of to spot. Yeah, trouble I, scenarios. I mean, you got the spotter on that blind side over there. I guess I don't know. I don't know. They're not winning. Any going tag with the drivers. The driver two. certainly is. 
at fault there. Big deal, little deal, my friend. CDL reports a 33-year-old truck driver, Luis Alberto Garza Cisneros, was caught with, get this, 120 gallons of liquid meth worth. Wow. $18 million on May 6th in as Laredo. Much as diesel. Almost as much as diesel. He said he was just carrying it around to make sure he could afford the diesel for the rest of the load. No, that's not true. He was caught in Laredo, Texas, May 16th, hiding 24 five-gallon buckets. We see the picture yeah. that is right there. Uh, documents state that Cisneros told the officials he agreed to smuggle the contraband in order to help pay off his cousin's debt. Oh, He's so currently facing a potential uh, lifetime sentence. Lifetime sentence and possible $10 million maximum fine. Okay, well, let me ask you a question. Is it ever yeah. okay to sell drugs to support your family? Hmm. Was that movie John Carter where like he needs a medical procedure for his son and he takes over like the hospital? Was that John Carter? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 that's, that's a really difficult ethical moral type of question there. I think the big deal is, is the circumstances that drive you to such well, desperate measures. How did his cousin answer, get into $18 million of debt? God, maybe his brother is being held hostage somewhere. We don't know the rest of the story. What, does, what is the debt? How do you get into this debt? What is it? That type of stuff. Oh, we don't know like the ex- action movie exposition. Like he could, it could be like a Vin Diesel kind of family. Yeah, that's thing what where... I'm saying. This is this. I think the real big deal here is that this is a great opening for a great movie, dude. Well, I maybe think... he didn't want to run a partial either, so he had, took extra buckets <laughs> of <laughs> meth be. when you're could running be. the truck with these could diesel be. prices. It you was don't a wanna... backhaul lane, dude. What else am I gonna haul? I gotta take some meth with me. I gotta take meth. <laughs> a lot of meth out there. A lot of meth busts we've been hearing this year, too. Let's take a look at this next one, though. Big deal, little deal. This video right here was recorded in the cab of a passing truck, and it shows an SUV running into an ODOT. That's Ohio oh. Department oh. of Transportation God. mower Bum. along State Route 11 in Columbina County. According to News 12, the driver of the SUV was 44-year-old Harriet Cortez oh. of Campbell. She suffered minor injuries as a result of the crash. Cortez received a citation for failure to maintain an assured uh, clear distance ahead. Troopers say uh, impairment was not suspected. No distractions even reported. Um, the mower driver, he wasn't injured. He got hit pretty hard. And ODOT says this is the 80th time crew has been struck in 2022. So 80 times crews have been struck by yeah. idiots driving uh, down the road. That's a scary job. It's a dangerous job. Dude, 80 times. That's 80 a times. lot of times. But I'm looking at this thing. I'm looking at this video right here. And you got some orange barrels on the right-hand side that are clearly off of it. This dude was on the left. I'm, I'm thinking ODOT. Owes this lady some cash, in my particular. Oh, well, it wasn't very clear <laughs> off no. to the left side of the road. Now <laughs> Not you got all. I always get nervous when I drive with this equipment because people make. Um, yeah, that looks like it was right in the. Well, that looks like Odot did that. looks like Odot did that. Why the hell's Odot in the lane? I don't know. They were right in. The, they were in the left-hand lane. That dude's coming. Yeah, in. I'm, I'm going to so say sure they're. Ch- ch- look, just uh, based on that alone, the 80th time you got hit was. Because yeah, of, you okay. got to do. You got to change something. I don't know, man. But meanwhile, in Portland, we got a picture of you over the weekend. You yeah, flew this out was to a Portland, and we're uh, doing some donuts there, yeah. dude. Tell us about this. Is that you in the green car? Is that you in the green one? This is that. Uh, well, this was. What was this thing called? Like a hot donut race in Atlanta or something? What are these called? Uh, yeah, donut I meet? forget what they call it. We used to do this like in snow f- covered, ice covered parking lots in the winter. This is in the middle of the you day. Know, but yeah, this is middle of the day in Portland, Oregon, in the middle of an intersection, flying around. It looks like there's like crowds of people on the other side there, just kind of oh, yeah, watching. Oh yeah, just people thing. just watching this. Looks like they're cheering them on. I don't know if these guys are running up to say, "Hey, the cops are coming," or just going, "Yeah, badass, keep going." Usually, we show a video like this is because one of the camera people is getting mauled by the uh, the car. I don't think that happens here. It, I, think- I don't see a wreck. I see no wrecks, and these guys are on top of so each this other. So this one, and this is like in Atlanta, it happens at night, right? Yeah. This yeah. and this is just like the middle of the day, and Portland's just wilding out. They're going crazy out there. 
it. They're just out of control out there, my friend. What what goes on? And there's just regular people walking around shopping like this is this. I, I don't. This is supposed to I, happen. Yeah, I, this is. Uh, maybe they're all turning around because they're paving the road on the other side. Maybe they're trying to turn. Yeah, or they just realize they're in Portland and it's oh a dangerous gosh. out there. There's fresh pavement on the other side. I need to turn all around. Right. Well, find me on Twitter at Timothy Doon. That's D O N E R. Find him at Vincent Do. Check us out Wednesday all day long. We'll be at the Small Fleet Owner Operator Summit. Go to uh, live.freightways.com to register. Don't be a stranger and tell them how to be. Hey, peace and love, people. Spread it everywhere. <laughs>